first one, I clapped my hands. <laughs> and I said, ooh, the clap is loud. And then I laughed at the sentence, the clap is loud, <laughs> like I was talking about chlamydia. Oh my god, <laughs> that is a hell of a way to start an episode. Oh man. But uh, I think that the content of that comedy is appropriate for today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lacey. Yeah? What have you been listening to lately? Um, nonstop The Poisoner's Cabinet. Holy crap, you're never going to believe this. <gasps> what? I also have been listening to The Poisoner's Cabinet almost nonstop lately. What? I've even gone back and listened to a couple of my favorite episodes. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite episode? Ooh. Ooh. My favorite episode <laughs> is uh, The Teacup Poisoner. Mm -hmm. Because it told like a supervillain origin story. Mm -hmm. And the dude truly was like a supervillain. If he was allowed, if he was free and allowed to do what he wanted to do, he would be a truly more diabolical figure than he actually was yeah so my favorite is probably martha needle i'm pretty sure that's the one where they make the golden cadillac yes oh my god it's so funny and i know it's terrible i know it but i want to try it yeah they actually have a lot of cocktails on that show that i'm like holy crap i've never heard of that, that sounds awesome yeah or so in my case like that sounds awful let me try it <laughs> <laughs> that's true i i have one of these weird fears where at the end of my life when i get to whatever the afterlife may be mm -hmm. i don't want to be like oh no i didn't try that while i was there because i thought it might be icky so i don't really say no to drinks or food yeah <laughs> <laughs> i never say no to food <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we're talking about the poisoner's cabinet is because it is our promo this week Yay. and not only is it our promo this week we've decided that because we do love the poisoner's cabinet so much and it's the first it's one of the first podcasts that i listened to and followed regularly mm -hmm. because i found real life ghost stories and i listened to that but i didn't listen to it like i didn't binge all the way through i kind of you know looked through their episodes saw titles i liked poisoner's cabinet i fell in love from episode one and i just listened through every single episode and then once i ran out i went back and started again yeah and it did help shape this show in a few ways i know it's a completely unobvious to everyone because this show is such a shambles but <laughs> <laughs> they have a great structure to the show that while we struggle to maintain a structure it did make me want to step up our game yeah this episode like like we said, all of our promos are kind of built around what the episode's about. This one is specifically an episode I think appeals to the Poisoner's Cabinet Nick Chenade's sensibilities. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and listen to the promo, and then we'll be right back. Hello. Would you like to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Then welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet, a weekly podcast mixing true crime, historic mysteries, a dash of comedy, and lots of lovely libations for your listening pleasure. Join us for a drink as we tell the story of a different deadly poisoner each week. We always start by whipping up a cocktail inspired by the tale that we tell. Ooh, sounds delicious. Ooh, so maybe an amaretto sour for a cyanide poisoning? Long Island iced tea for the teacup poisoner. Chicken for William Palmer? What? Nothing. Join Nick and Sinead every Friday inside the Poisoner's Cabinet as we look at vicious Victorians, inheritance powders, and crimes of poisonous passion. Follow us at the Poisoner's Cabinet on social media. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. God, you listen to that and you go, our promo is shit. Yeah, but... <laughs> In true On Poison's Cabinet fashion, I was wasted when we did our promo. So it's, <laughs> it's like, true. it all ties in. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally true. 
So to get ready for today's episode, um, first, I want to say our episodes have been kind of spotty lately. And that's mostly <laughs> that's mostly because I have been like on again, off again, sick for the last couple of weeks, and this is the the clearest my voice has sounded for these purposes. And I'm just <laughs> exhausted by the end of the day, so I'm like, there's no way I can record. So apologies for how scant the episodes have been. Um, no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it hurts because it's true. <laughs> but uh, that's going to change because one, it's autumn, which means that the weather is nice enough that we are not dying all the time. And it's when my serotonin levels work. Hell yeah. <laughs> so sorry about the weird spotty episode thing. Uh, <laughs> we're fixing it. <laughs> we have a few things to get us prepared for this episode. One is I have my t-shirt that I wore specifically for this recording that no one can see. You're also wearing your shirt and just underwear. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I like to be comfortable. <laughs> Let me see, could you do me a favor? Can you read the front of my shirt for me, please? Are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Oh yeah! That's because I have some official Poisoner's Cabinet merch. I love this shirt, but I am weir- uh, leery to wear it out in public because it just says, like, are you ready to talk about poison? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, someone might ask me about it and then I have to talk to a stranger, which... Yeah. Ugh. Gross. But yeah, Poisoner's Cabinet, they have merch, so you can go ahead and check out their merch, see what they've got. I think they've got, like, stickers and cups and shirts and all kinds of stuff. We also have cocktails. <laughs> kind of. In a manner of speaking. <laughs> Would you like to tell us about the cocktails that we have and the cocktails we were supposed to have? So I was promised that Jerry was <laughs> gonna go get birthday cake vodka yep. and make us a drink. Yep. And luckily, because of me, we have no shortage of rum. True enough. So we have rum and hot chocolate. Do you, can you think of a name for these? <laughs> I have no idea. Wait, yeah. wait. Wait, Caribbean Christmas. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. I just thought of it. That's amazing. Because I always have coconut rum in the house. True. We might not have like juice or water, but there's always coconut rum in our home. <laughs> I had thought about making a cocktail that was just ice and rum. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've enjoyed on many occasions. It's called Cool Island Iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so we were originally going to have a vodka that was birthday cake flavored because it relates to the story I'm going to tell. The thing is, because I've been kind of sickly, I just haven't got out to the store to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so it hasn't happened. Uh, also, to ease anyone's mind, although I have been sick, I haven't been that kind of sick. The sick. The sick. So don't worry about that. I have a cold. I have a seasonal cold. <laughs> just kicking the shit out of me. <laughs> so yeah, we have... These lovely cocktails, which are made from hot water, <laughs> Swiss Miss reduced calorie hot chocolate, <laughs> and a shot of Caribbean rum. Are you ready to take a sip of this? Oh, yeah. I mean, it has rum, so how bad can it be? I don't know. Like, we call it a cocktail, but this still feels like I'm 22 and living in a shitty apartment and don't know how to take care of myself. Oh, damn. Okay. All okay. Right. This is not bad. <laughs> All right, Caribbean Christmas. I made it a thing. Is this not bad because it's good or because we're trash? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm not sorry. That's really good. Yeah. 
All right. I can live with that. <laughs> I'm quoting that phrase. No one take it. <laughs> no one take it. So Nick on the show, uh, I don't know if he actually made on Poisoner's Cabinet. I don't know if he actually made it, but I remember they were going to name a drink Mysterium after the board game. And we own Mysterium. Oh, I love Mysterium. Uh, I don't know if they actually got to make one, but he's also very good at those kind of names. Now, the last episode, we talked about Poisoner's Cabinet because we were kind of just mentioning our recommendations. Because I need to fangirl about them all the time. <laughs> and you know what? We did something very nice, but we also did something very hurtful. <laughs> oh, no. Which is we compared Sinead to female Eddie Izzard, which if you don't know who Eddie Izzard is, he's a transvestite comedian. Yeah, like you're nobody to us, but he's a transvestite English comedian. He is incredibly funny. Uh, and intelligent. And intelligent, yeah. He's often called the Lost Python uh, in reference to Monty Python. Mm-hmm. So it is one of the highest order of compliment that we are capable of giving to another person. Oh, for sure. It's also a very weird one to say she's a female version of Eddie Izzard who considers himself a male lesbian. <laughs> I mean... It's a twisty one. Yeah, yeah. But in doing so, <laughs> we deeply wounded Sir Nick over at the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm so sorry. Now, um, this message actually will go out directly to Nick as a, I'm going to say, sturdily built bearded man <laughs> myself. <laughs> who is frequently overshouted and overshadowed by a loud woman on my podcast. Beautiful. Loud does not mean you're not beautiful. <laughs> Just saying Sinead is beautiful. So. <laughs> also, I tend to be the one with the facts. It's so weird. This is actually, most people don't know this, but this is like the dead opposite of our actual real lives. <laughs> In real life, you're the quiet one. Yeah. And I'm the funny one. Yeah. But here, for some reason... That's, it doesn't work. I don't know why. <laughs> he gets me all the time with these jokes, and it's not fair, because I'm not witty. <laughs> I have scathing one-liners. Yeah. That's my life. You're like an old queen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to say that I don't have a famous uh, transvestite celebrity to compare Nick to, but I will say that his knowledge of cocktails is staggering. One of my favorite parts of the show. Oh, and if you drink too many, you would be staggering. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I actually really do enjoy the, the part where he talks about the cocktail. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't just say, here's what's in it. He gives like a little bit of history on it. Yeah. And one thing I'm very passionate about is when people are passionate about a field of knowledge. Yeah, because I have no knowledge. <laughs> Unless it's like Simpsons or like 1990s hip hop lyrics. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, it's pretty clean slate there. But wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do appreciate the the history that he gives because it could just you, they could have just added cocktails to the show and let it be kind of a gimmick, mm -hmm. but they don't because they make it make sense and they make it interesting. Yeah, and I super love that. We are not going to try and waste anybody's time by imitating the way that they tell their stories. Oh my god, I can't. Be they're too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear. Sinead and Nick are tremendous storytellers. Uh, I actually am really curious as to how they do the show because it doesn't sound like they're reading something. It sounds like they know the story and they're telling it. Yeah, I can't. My brain doesn't do that. I have to read something. My brain doesn't like read it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to explain this to you. It, I don't understand. <laughs> it's a I'm it's the a worst person to work with. Because they're like, Lacey, can you explain why you did this? I'm like, um, I'll read you some bullet points that I wrote down. <laughs> I will read them to the best of my ability. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell the story. Uh, we're kind of cutting out some of the details of the story because they're, they're not really necessary. What we're going to be talking about today 
is The Haunting of the Myrtle's Plantation. Ooh. Now, have you ever heard of the Myrtle's Plantation? I saw an episode on, like, Most Haunted from, like, the year 2000. Oh, yeah. But that's the best thing I could do. It's been featured in probably every paranormal reality show ever. Yeah. Has done something about the Myrtle's Plantation. It's considered one of the most haunted houses in America, which that title... It goes to every house. (laughs) Yeah. Now that we've been doing this show, like, as long as we have, which is really not that long, but... Four months. (laughs) Four months. That title is meaning less and less to me. Oh, for sure. Because every haunted house is like it's the most haunted house in america like they heard one knock and like oh my god the tragedy <laughs> uh so this house is in saint francisville louisiana uh i mean it's a plantation so it's gonna be from the south not the stereotype just all the plantations are in the south yeah <laughs> we didn't really have a need for them in the north and kansas didn't really have them either because we had so much farmland and uh this is the home of the jayhawkers which if you don't know what a jayhawker is uh which is very very likely if you <laughs> don't live in the state of kansas uh, they were basically vigilantes that went around freeing slaves. Ooh, dope. I didn't know that. Yeah. Basically, John Brown was uh, not, I don't think he was necessarily part of them, but he would show up to a farm that had a bunch of slaves and was like, hey, you got to free your slaves. And if they didn't, they'd burn the place down and free all the slaves. Oh, dope. There's a really great, if you go to the capital in Topeka, there's a really great mural of John Brown with his arms spread wide and his giant beard flowing in the wind. And he has- uh, Are you jealous that he could grow a long beard? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> He's got a shotgun in one hand and like a Bible in the other. And like, it's, he looks intense. Like it's a really cool picture. So that has nothing to do with this. Oh my goodness. It was an interesting tangent though. Thank you. So the Merle's Plantation was built by David Bradford in 1794. So this is pretty old building. Um, <laughs> Everyone in England right now, the UK is like. I know. I know. Well, I think it's, it's just, you know, America's a young place. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have centuries of history. And I mean, it was used for basically what you thought it would be used for. They they grew crops and they harvested them and they sold them. Basically it. Now, there's a reason that I'm going to skip over a lot of the history of this place. Because a lot of it is made up, if you can believe that. A made up ghost story and history. Well, that's the thing, is there's ghost stories, Mm -hmm. and then there's history that supports the ghost story, and a lot of that history is false, I found. It's (laughs) kind of crazy. In 1834, it was purchased by this Ruffin Gray Sterling. I'll take a second to absorb that name. What is the first name? Ruffin. Ruffin. R-U-F-F-I-N. Ruffin Gray Sterling. (laughs) Say that in your um, Lucky Strikes voice. (laughs) Ruffin Gray Sterling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, And the Sterlings were like a wealthy family who owned uh, several plantations on both sides of the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. And so him and his wife, Mary Catherine Cobb, they took over the house, the land, the buildings, all the stuff, and the slaves that were there. They they bought it all from Elizabeth Bradford, who was the owner at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, the Sterlings were leaders in this community. They were very well known. They had high social status. They had good reputations. So there wasn't really anything... um, it's not like it is with a lot of these plantations where it's like they were reclusive and mysterious and mm-hmm. no one knows what horrors, you know, that, that didn't really happen. Now, in 1854, Mr. Sterling, <laughs> Ruffin, he died of consumption, which is what they called tuberculosis. Because tuberculosis, you kind of withered away as you were, as though you were being consumed by the virus. <laughs> Did you think it was being, you were eating yourself to death? Is that what you thought? <laughs> oh my God, is that what you thought? <laughs> <laughs> he died of bloatation. He did. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, 
Oh no, this is a weird time to find out that I'm wrong. <laughs> You're gonna leave this in, aren't you? Yeah, this is all this all has to stay in, I'm afraid. God damn it. So the farm went to his wife, Mary Cobb, who she ran the the whole place. Like she ran the plantation and all the other farms, basically by herself for many years. Boss ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> other plantation owners in the area had described her as, quote, having the business acumen of a man. Which, that was a compliment back at that time, but it's very patronizing now. Um, just a quick side note. I taught both of our children how to yell, destroy the patriarchy, and it's been tons of fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> so even in spite of all that, her, you know, being a successful landowner and managing all these properties, she had her fair share of tragedy. Mm -hmm. uh, they had nine children. Four of them lived to be adults. Oh, wow. The other ones did not. Yeah. Which is, you know... Obviously, incredibly sad. Their daughter, Sarah Mulford, her husband was murdered on the front porch of their house after the Civil War. Oh my god. Yeah. So you can kind of see we're starting to get the the, the foundations for yeah. haunting happening here. We're getting the spookies ready. Yeah. Well, and during the Civil War, a lot of plantations were kind of up for grabs. A lot of them had personal belongings that were looted, destroyed, um by Union soldiers because they showed up and they're like, oh, you own slaves? Like, you're basically outlaws. So, you know. <laughs> and to make matters worse on top of all that other stuff, Mary mm -hmm. Cobb had actually, at the time, it was thought to be intelligently invested in sugar plantations. And those sugar plantations were pretty much destroyed during the war. <laughs> so a lot of her money just basically went down the tubes. Yeah. Eventually, the stress of running these plantations, losing money, losing children, losing her husband, and dealing with the war, uh, it just kind of took a toll on her, and she held on to the place until she died in 1880. She died. She died. Which is really not that long ago. I know that, like, 1880 is, you know, it's a long time ago, but it's really not that long <laughs> ago. It's only 140 years ago. Yeah. And this lady was still dealing with some of the consequences of the Civil War. So it's like, we act like the Civil War is this ancient event and it really wasn't yeah now before she died in 1865 she had hired a guy named william drew winter and i think william winter is such a cool name yeah for a real tragic character as you will see he was the husband of uh her daughter sarah mulford and he was basically going to act as like her, like her agent. Like mm -hmm. she, he would, he had power of attorney, so he could go and you know run the plantations for her when she couldn't be all over the place. As a part of that deal, the plantation, the Myrtles, would be her home, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, their home when when they were ready to settle down in that way, I suppose. Twelve years after Ruffin Sterling had died, and after the Civil War, and William was named the basically power of attorney for her, she gave him the use of the Myrtles as the home. And it was, you know, tough times. Like, the same problems that Mary had been dealing with, he had to deal with. So mm -hmm. they were not... Uh, but he was a man. He could handle anything. You would think, but he was actually unable to hold on to the Myrtles. Uh, he just... It's a bad time. But he's a man. <laughs> but he's a man, by golly. <laughs> and in December of 1867, he was completely bankrupt, and the Myrtles was sold uh, by the U.S. Marshal to the New York State Warehouse and Securities Company. What? Uh, basically, like, it was repossessed by the state like he was bankrupt oh. and so they took the property but then very luckily two years later in april 1870 the plantation was sold back to sarah winter who was his 
Lancelot's wife because she was sort of the heir of her father. So Mm -hmm. she had some money anyway and was able to buy it back. No one really knows how this happened, though. Some people said that, like, she had, her father died and left her some money, but the money probably would have went to her husband and he went bankrupt. Hmm. So where did that money come from? Thing is, no one actually knows, like, how this reversal of her fortunes happened. So weird. Yeah. Now, while that is weird, remember what I said, that a lot of the history of this place is made up. Uh Yeah. So in January of 1871, there was an issue of the Point Coupe Democrat newspaper. (laughs) which is such a great name yeah her husband uh, William Winter was teaching a Sunday school lesson so she uh, he was teaching a Sunday school class in a gentleman's parlor Mm -hmm. where men would go to smoke and drink brandy and have big thinky thoughts (laughs) and he heard what sounded like someone approach the house on horseback so he didn't really think anything of it it's a big plantation you know it happens Mm mm-hmm And then a stranger from outside called out to him, saying that he had some business with him. So William went out to go see what was going on. He was on the sort of gallery side of the house. Uh, The dude just shot him. Oh, damn. Came out, the guy just shot him on the porch, he collapsed, he died, and that was it. People inside the house, like, they heard gunfire. They knew he just went outside. So they ran outside to find out what was going on. That was it. The guy ran off. They did eventually catch him. Uh, he was a guy by the name of E.S. Weber. I'm like, where are all these goofy names? Like, Oh, real quick, though. What oh, did shit. the poisonous spider get pulled over for? Recluse driving. <laughs> <laughs> you said spider. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> also, not to be a buzzkill, but that is, like, my main thing in life. Spiders are venomous, not poisonous. Oh my god, you're such a fucking nerd. (laughs) So, Sarah never remarried. Uh, That just did not happen. After her husband died, she's kind of devastated and sort of left it to that. Um, And that's kind of it. It it changed hands a couple of times after that over the years. The the plantation stayed roughly... I wouldn't say in the family, but it didn't go to strangers. Mm -hmm. Until we get to the 20th century and it kind of falls into the hands of the current owners. The most famous ghost there goes by the name of Chloe. Now, if you go to the Myrtle's Plantation website and you find their link for the legend of Chloe, it'll direct you to a series of pictures that depict what kind of looks like a drawing behind a window. (laughs) And they're saying that this is the ghost of Chloe, who is a former slave. So, at the time that Chloe was there, and it's really hard to exactly nailed down when she was there Mm -hmm. because the first stories about chloe start to kind of crop up at about 1817 Mm -hmm. so before you know sarah winter and their whole when the the property was owned by this guy woodruff clark woodruff and basically he owned a bunch of slaves Mm because in 1817 you were still allowed to do that Yeah. And Chloe was a servant in the house. Not only was she sort of mistrusted by slaves that worked on the property because she worked in the house, Mm -hmm. but she also hated the family. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair enough. Well, and the reasons that this is believed to be is, uh, one, she was a freaking slave. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would probably hate those people, too. But also is she was forced to give in to Mr. Woodruff's sexual appetites. Obviously. Because he's a man from the 1800s who's obviously a piece of garbage. And she kind of figured out that if she didn't comply, it was it was implied not only that she would be beaten, but she would be sent out to the fields to work, which I, I suppose, like, if you're in a shitty situation, like you're owned by another fucking human. Yeah. You want to make the best of your situation, and probably working in the house was better. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Chloe started to get a little older, and Mr. Woodruff found younger girls to 
force himself upon. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, sorry, like, I'm not going to go into any details because this is, like, super dark shit. But he was a piece of garbage. That's kind of the gist of his story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Chloe realized that her value to him was diminishing. And she was eventually going to be sent out to the fields. Yeah. Or gotten rid of altogether. I sold, I assume. So, to find out how the family felt about her, she started spying on them. And she was eavesdropping on their private conversations, trying to, you know, discern any information about what might happen to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She got caught. Uh Uh-oh. And Mr. Woodruff cut off one of her ears to teach her not to eavesdrop. Yeah, I mean, a guy who owns people and rapes them, obviously this is super out of character for him. (laughs) Uh, No, it's not. He's a piece of shit. Uh, So from that point forward, she wore like a... um, like a scarf, like a green turban almost, around her head to cover her ear. And to, you know, so she didn't want people seeing she got her ear cut off. Yeah. People knew. <laughs> but This is, like, a really dumb question. Okay. But, like, if you cut off someone's ear, can the hole still hear? Yeah, I don't think it hears as well, though. Because mm. the whole, I think the whole shape of our ear is to capture sounds more easily. Oh. But, I mean, she I just wanted still... to know if, like, his act was redundant, you know? I think it was more, it hurt. And that's why he did it. I know. Just like, what if she ended up hearing better? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think nature put all this crap on the outside to make our hearing a little softer. (laughs) No, it's it's to make our hearing better. Just a question I have. (laughs) No, that's fair. That's totally fair. I found a few different sources for this story. Mm -hmm. And all of them have the same basic problem, which is that it's unclear what happens next. Yeah. I think part of the reason is some of this is made up. No. (laughs) <laughs> that would never happen in one of these stories. What occurred next is really why this story is a part of this episode. Mm-hmm. There was a birthday coming up for right. one of the Woodruff children. So she figured the best way to prove her worth to the family and to, you know, change their attitude about her mm-hmm. is she was going to put some oleander flowers, crushed up oleander flowers into the birthday cake. Now, you might know from listening to Poisoner's Cabinet, and I know the people at the Poisoner's Cabinet definitely know, oleander flowers are kind of toxic. Actually, really toxic. If you're thinking about mixing together poison ingredients, don't whisk it. (laughs) Oh my god. That one really blindsided me. Oh my god. So her idea was she was going to put a little bit of oleander flowers into the cake, and they would eat it, and they would get ill, and then she would make them well again. Wouldn't they be like, you made this messed up cake? Like, if someone served something to me, and I got all sick, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, cook for me again, take care of me. I'd be like, what, what did you do? I feel like if you have been sexually assaulting a woman for years, and then you cut her ear off, but still let her work in the house and handle your food, you're probably sort of an idiot. Yeah, fair. And you wouldn't think of something like that. Yeah, okay. Like, even I know, don't be rude to the waiter. They handle your food. (laughs) Like, (laughs) as you could probably imagine, she mixed in with the flour and the sugar a handful of these crushed oleander flowers. And the two children, and uh, Sarah Matilda, who was uh, another one that worked in the house, all had slices of the poison cake. But Woodruff, he didn't eat any of it at all. And before the end of the day, they were all very, very sick. And she, Chloe, very patiently sort of attended their needs and did not realize that she had given them too much. Uh-oh. And within a few hours, all three of them were dead. So this is another part of the story that gets a little foggy. 
A lot of the other slaves on the plantation knew she did this, and they were kind of worried that the owners were going to find out, and that if they harbored her, they would also be punished. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the worst situation you ever want to be in, <laughs> where you've done something wrong, and a bunch of people know it, and they don't want to be anywhere near you. Yeah. So they dragged her from her room, they hanged her from a nearby tree. Oh, Jesus. Then, after she died, they cut her down, they weighted her body with rocks, and they threw her into a river. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Woodruff closed off the dining room that the party was held in and never opened it ever again. Sealed off the room, basically. Uh, It was never allowed to be entered. Mm -hmm. His life was actually cut short a few years later. He was murdered. I can't really find any information exactly about how he was murdered, though. Murder. Yeah. Now, if you go visit the plantation today, the room where the children died is actually called the game room now. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. What kind of sick bullshit is that? <laughs> so, since her death, the spirit of Chloe has been seen around the Myrtles for since that happened. Yeah. Even Sarah Winter claims to have seen her. And people see that they say there's uh, handprints will appear on mirrors around the property. There'll be footsteps. They'll see her out on the plantation. Mm. They'll hear knocking noises. They'll Food will sour when it shouldn't. Things like that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the thing that I don't like about this story and the reason... All the horrendous things in it? Well, yeah, I mean, for sure, is that it's not true. Historical records of the Myrtle's plantation, Mm -hmm. not only do they show that there never was a Chloe on the property, it's not even totally clear that the owners of the Myrtle's plantation owned slaves. Oh, wow. There's actually a lot of really dicey information. In the 1950s, the Myrtles were owned by this wealthy widow named Marjorie Munson. (laughs) That's such a cool name. Yeah. Um, And she had heard some stories that some locals had said about odd things happening around the house. Mm -hmm. We've seen this kind of thing before. Okay, I was gonna make a joke about like carbon monoxide poisoning, but I thought it'd be tasteless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Thank you. And so she had heard a little bit about the place might be haunted. She started asking around the town and around people that worked at the plantation, you know, do you know anything about the legend of this ghost? And she sort of pieced together different parts of different accounts and the ghost didn't have a name. So she named the ghost Chloe. And that's where the ghost came from. Damn. Yeah, pretty much. Now, here's the funny thing. A fake ghost story? A fake ghost story. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) What I think is really worth mentioning at this point about this story is, one, I've never heard a story that involved a poisoning that ended with ghosts. I can't think of any ghost story where the person was poisoned and came back as a ghost. I also can't think of any story where the person was poisoned and then killed and came back as a ghost. (laughs) Like, it's a fairly unique story. Hmm. Unfortunately, that's kind of all that is. Yeah. It is a story. Now, I'm totally okay with that. I think legends like that are cool. It also has a sort of a fable kind of mythological aspect to it Mm -hmm. that she knew she was, you know, kind of losing some of her value to the family. So instead of finding an honest way to increase her value, she snuck around. She tried to spy on them. She was punished for it. Then she tried again to be deceitful to increase her value. Mm -hmm. And it's like a Greek myth almost. Yeah, kind of. It's a really cool story. And she was punished after killing the children by mistake. She's punished not by the owners, but by her 
her peers, the mm-hmm. other slaves, because they don't want to be associated with this big mess she's created. That's so cool. Like, not, the story is not wow. cool. Wow. <laughs> the story is not cool, but, like, the, the what happens in the story is not cool. But it's cool that there's this sort of, this does remind me of, like, a Greek myth. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the, the folly of revenge and of being deceitful rather than being honest. It's really interesting. And it created, a, you know, a legend that lives on to this day about this ghost we're gonna get back to the title of the most haunted house in america Mm -hmm. i actually watched a public access news show from this area i forget what it was called it was like going out with karen or something like that like it's this woman that like she goes to locations like this that are like touristy areas and sort of like it's like a travelogue i love public access i love it too i've been on it three times and it's my (laughs) crowning achievement (laughs) I like in that that segment that I watched because they call it the most haunted bed and breakfast in America. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Can we do like a U.S. tour of haunted How many haunted bed and breakfasts are there though? I don't know. We went to the one in Fort Scott and that one was... It wasn't haunted. It was just old. So I thought that was really cool. I like that they did that. But it is, yeah. it's a bed and breakfast now. Can you imagine a bed and breakfast that has this sort of history? Yeah. It's wild. I want to go immediately. <laughs> and it does have a slew of these stories. People are being murdered. There's, you know, revenge stories. There's all, all kinds of tragedy at this place, which sets it up as the perfect place for there to be all kinds of ghost stories. And I know the Ghost Brothers mm-hmm. went to the Myrtle's Plantation. Yeah. They saw some pretty interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't see anything paranormal, but they saw some interesting stuff. The tour guides, when you go there, they actually tell the story about Chloe when it's documented as being false. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, everybody's got to make their money. That's a question I have about Chloe. What? (laughs) Your tone shifts ever so slightly. (laughs) If she used Cheerios to poison everyone, she would be a serial killer. Oh my God. That's why I won't eat regular Cheerios, because that's got to be killing us all. It tastes like paper. <laughs> You're just eating poison paper. Poison paper. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the activity that's reported this place is actually not real either. I mean, none of it's real. <laughs> Let's be clear on that point. But what I mean is, like, people are just telling stories. They go to this place because it's supposed to be the most haunted B&B in the country, and they're primed, they're ready to see something paranormal, yep. and... Dude, do, do they have confirmation bias? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, it is confirmation bias. And it's this is built up by the reputation the place has. This is built up by the owners and the tour guides. Because, yeah, you're not going to go just stay at a B&B like this for nothing. I mean, yeah. you might if you're staying in the area. But you're it's a destination if yeah. it's supposed to be very haunted. And a lot of these things that people are claiming to see, especially the people that have claimed to see Chloe out on the property, it's not true. Most of the stories are, they're not true. Yeah. I had seen a reddit post about this place where someone found that several reviews for this place on yelp were fake they were made up by people that kind of tells you i mean once you have that that deceit in the water Mm -hmm. it becomes very difficult to believe anything anybody says about this place yeah handprints on a mirror does not say ghost that says children (laughs) (laughs) yes there are tiny handprints all over my job like on the the windows and stuff and like they're all teeny tiny little hands little kid gross hands and that place is not haunted (laughs) yeah 
I mean, it's terrorized by small entities. <laughs> by, yes. <laughs> the same thing with the hearing the noises, mm -hmm. um, hearing knocks and things like that. It's, it's an old-ass building. Yeah, it is a super old building. They all make noises like that. I don't think there's anything paranormal about the Myrtle's Plantation. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really interesting place that has a lot of really interesting stories. But as I was doing my research for this episode, I found out that a lot of the stories were not true and a lot of the history i'm saying with quoting marks that you can't see <laughs> isn't true either there's a lot of crap about this this place that's just made up yeah and that's a little disappointing but i have to say i really like the story about <laughs> chloe i think it's a really interesting story i think it's cool we're doing like the poisonous cabinet and like the poisoning and then today we made a poison ivy costume for me yeah i think it's just all coming for a full circle you know all coming together and like I recently put poison oh, ivy in the bed of a guy I don't like. It was a rash decision on my part. <laughs> but also, um, real quick, just want to give you a story. One time I poisoned my husband's pita dip. What's pita dip? The police charged me with a homicide. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm good your about husband. That one. <laughs> uh oh. Caught in the act. You're gonna find out about the one before you. <laughs> so what do you think about the Myrtle's plantation? I think it's just a story. I mean, there's no proof anywhere that this person existed or that the story existed or any parts of the story existed. Yeah. I think it's just fun. I mean, the story is not fun by itself. It could have I think it's that good cheery. old kind of yeah. that, that storytelling around the fire kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. I also think that the... Because it's very unusual in these sort of stories where there's a ghost and they have a story. Mm -hmm. It's very unusual to see poisonings in these kinds of stories. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about that aspect of this story is that poisoning in of itself is such an archaic form of murder. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, obviously she wasn't intending to kill anybody. Some people uh, don't believe that. Some people think she did do it on purpose. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? There's something about poisoning as a form of murder that feels primordial. Mm. that feels like it, it belongs to the roots of human storytelling. Yeah. Because in Greek stories, poison is used all the time, and it's never a hero's weapon. That's because, like, you, you couldn't trace it back then. Poison must have been dope when there was no, like, toxicology oh, yeah. reports. Well, I mean, we've seen that in the stories that they tell on the mm -hmm. Poisoner's Cabinet. Like, it was basically untraceable unless someone was very clever. Yeah. But it does remind me of, you know, this, oh, how will I, how will I get into their good graces? I'll slightly poison a cake and then I'll fix them once they've gotten ill. And oops, I put too much in because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> that honestly sounds like something I would have done back in that time. <laughs> like, I just want everyone to need me. And then I bumble it up. <laughs> <laughs> it really is one of the things I like about this story so much. It's just, it's so unique. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that it's just a story, though. It's hardly paranormal. <laughs> it's hardly factual. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to say we, we didn't get a chance to do it, but Poisoner's Cabinet played our promo ages ago. And I just want to say thank you for that because honestly, all of us kind of sticking together in this podcast community is what keeps this thing moving forward. And they're all so funny, much funnier than us. Yeah, I'm amazed that we're a part of this community because we do not belong. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank them for sending us their promo that we got to play and for putting out great content. Yeah. If you for some reason have never listened to The Poisoner's Cabinet, what the are you doing with your life <laughs> if you like true crime but you also like history 
This is absolutely a show for you. And funnies. Yeah, it's really funny. The hosts are, like I've said before, they are incredible storytellers. And that's half the fun of the show. Oh, and there's like endless Simpsons references. <laughs> oh, my, my heart. My heart loves it. And I, I could listen to either of them talk forever. Mm-hmm. I love, Nick has this very, like, I don't want to say posh, because that's not the right word, but sometimes he gets, like, he's starting to feel his oats when he's telling a story, <laughs> and, like, he starts to get a little fancy with the way he says things, <laughs> and I just, I, I do, like, a little clap <laughs> in my mind. I get so excited. <laughs> and Sinead, I, I didn't know what they looked like when I first started watching, and Nick looks approximately what I thought he would look like. Yeah. I thought Sinead was going to look like Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd. (laughs) And I'm not technically wrong because she is a woman. (laughs) They have these massive personalities, the two of them. And they complement each other so well. And they bring all kinds of fantastic elements together. Cocktails, history, murder, poisonings, (laughs) like comedy. And they talk about some pretty dark shit sometimes with this sort of playful macabre Mm -hmm. attitude that i absolutely adore uh samesies yeah (laughs) so if you got a chance or if you don't have a chance make time don't be a dick (laughs) (laughs) we're not doing anything right now all of us collectively are not doing anything (laughs) go and listen to the poisoner's cabinet uh, they're on every platform that you can find podcasts, and they're well worth your time. I have one last joke for Nick and Stade. Okay. I, I'm sorry how I mispronounce your name all the time, but like I'm so American, my mouth just can't do Sinead. I'm so sorry. You just did it. Oh, yay! <laughs> Why did the man poison a London bakery? Why? He wanted to kill two Brits with one scone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's incredible. I love that joke. <laughs> Thank you. Oh Thank my you. god. Scones actually have a special place in the memories of our marriage. Oh my god. <laughs> so, a long time ago when we were still dating. This we, was like 11 years ago. Yeah, we were listening to the Misfits song, Skulls. <laughs> and if you know that song, you know that the, the main chorus is, I want your skulls. <laughs> I need your skulls. And she was convinced for a, quite a long time without Years, probably. Me, that she thought he was saying scones. I want your scones. I need your scones. And did not understand the song at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want scones, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, f- for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So I don't have any recommendations other than go listen to Poisoner's Cabinet, which I think if you've gotten this far in the episode and you don't know that yet (laughs) (laughs) you're not paying attention so everyone during this really crazy bullshit time that we're all in you're gonna have some time on your hands and it's important to be safe please be safe please be careful out there wear your masks and you've got free time we've all got free time listen to some badass podcasts because there are a lot of them and also uh, make sure you cut the strings off your mask when you're done with them because they're hurting the animals yeah little animals get caught in those things yes. and it sucks if it's a mask that you can reuse obviously that's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> we have some spooky reviews that are going to be coming out soon we recorded one before we recorded this yep I don't 
know in what order I'm going to release them. (laughs) (laughs) And we have uh, a few other story episodes. This is like a story episode. We have a few other story episodes planned out. Uh, The next one is also dedicated to a podcast. And Lacey doesn't know anything about it. (laughs) I don't like... How am I supposed to look up jokes if I don't know what it's about? Wow, you put me in this position every time it's your turn to do an episode. You're not funny though. (laughs) (laughs) Irrelevant. (laughs) So we're also going to be continuing um, we started a series a while back where we're going to be doing cryptids from around the United States. We're going to be continuing that. We're also going to be continuing our ghost stories from around the country. And the end of this week, we tiptoe into October. Yes. Yes. And we have a lot of really interesting uh, episodes planned for October mm-hmm. that are going to revolve around spooky Irish folklore. Ooh. It's just me waking up, like, no makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> So if you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Harley Paranormal with a Y. You can also uh, check us out on Instagram at Harley Paranormal, which is where I am the most active. You can also check us out on Facebook at uh, Harley Paranormal. It's <laughs> our, our group on Facebook. That is where Lacey is the most active. I put jokes in. Yes. I, I wish I had your social media acumen (laughs) (laughs) i am not good at social media (laughs) you can also uh check us out on spotify Castbox, wherever else you get your podcast uh please go ahead and give us a review it helps more ears find us which like horrifying slugs from space all we want to do is to get into strangers ear holes (laughs) but if we catch you eavesdropping we're gonna chop your ear off that's for easier access into the ear (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta be louder it's right. not louder. I'm going to research this. Your ear is like a funnel. You wait, take the wait, funnel what away. about, um, okay, so what if we ask Dr. N? She would know. She knows, like, forensic stuff. Like, maybe she could tell us if it's louder with okay. the ear chopped off. Okay, okay, She does forensic psychology. Oh, well, surely she went to school for all the things. I don't know. I'm stunned right now. I don't know how. I realize that the ear is on the head, but that's <laughs> not really what psychology deals with. It's not just things of the head. Well, she's very very smart she might just know anyway why don't you google it <laughs> i'm gonna go to ask jeeves <laughs> it's called ask.com now they dropped the jeeves because stephen fry sued them you know what? i'm still gonna try to go and see what happens i've been jerry i've been lacy and remember ask jeeves doesn't exist anymore <laughs> oh.